Mike Dell's World number 137 for September 21st, 2009. <laughs> most bizarre war in American history was the comic opera Toledo War of 1835 fought between Michigan and Ohio. It involved a poorly drawn boundary line, a 19-year-old boy governor, and armies that could not fight because they got lost in the swamps. Toledo, Michigan? If you were to ask one of the 19th century's top surveyors, luminaries like Mr. John A. Fulton, he would insist that according to the Northwest Ordinance of 1787, Toledo and nearly 468 square miles of prime farmland running east to the fertile shores of Lake Erie were rightly the, position, or the possession of, and proud territory of Michigan. Yet Ohio's Enabling Act of 1802 claimed that that stretch of land is their own. The Northwest Ordinance declared Michigan's stately holdings should unfurl southward only as far as the southern tip of Lake Michigan, but locating the lake's last warm laps was not a simple business. Using precision locators like a willow tree of 11 inches in diameter and a cedar post located at the southern tip of Lake Michigan, map makers of the time placed Lake Michigan's border slightly north of its currently accepted location. Where was Lake Michigan exactly? Behind the knotty cedar post? Or the less knotty cedar post? Or the botanically obscure post that smelled sort of like cedar but mostly like moss? our nation's primitive surveyors unknowingly launched the most decisive controversy ever to confront the Great Lakes region. Some have argued that the confusion emerged from the enabling act of God, a God who favored Ohio over Michigan, or from Lake Michigan's willful relocation of its boundaries. Did the lake migrate south sometime between 1787 and 1807? Possibly. Or maybe even the longest strings or the most distinctive trees left surveyors ill-equipped for the gravity of their work. The truth will remain shrouded in mystery, but there is little dispute over what happened next. When Michigan applied for statehood in 1833, the boundary dispute was brought to fore. In spite of much congressional maneuvering and interstate hectoring, the controversy remained unsolved. Tension escalated rapidly. Michigan began amassing troops in Toledo. Ohio amassed troops in Toledo and Perrysburg. 
Ohio allocated $300,000 to support the military efforts. Michigan allocated $315,000. The Ohio troops yelled across the front that the Michigan troops were lame. The Michigan troops countered that the Ohio troops were in fact the ones who were lame. Could violence be averted, or was this a full-scale civil war? Here, okay. Uh, the Cold War turned hot. Well, that's the wrong song. There we go. The aforementioned mass troops did not drill, or did little but drill and nibble hard crack. What the hell does that mean? Anyway. For the Toledo War was truly waged in the bars and taverns of Toledo, where brawls broke out in increasing regularity. With yells like stupid mud hen, stupid mitten face. <laughs> As liquor and vitriol flowed, finally after many attempted arrests and much fleeing of surveyors and resurveyors to Maumee, the first official blood of the war was shed at J. Baron Davis's Tony Toledo Tavern when Monroe County Sheriff Joseph Wood attempted to arrest Shady Two Stickerney, son of Major Benjamin Franklin Stickerney's younger brother to one Stickerney, <laughs> for illegal acts associated with the dispute. Suddenly, two, the two Snickerty drew his fearsome penknife and thrust it into Wood's tender thigh non-fatally stabbing, stabbing the brave lawman. Although Wood's high or thigh healed, Michigan's acrimony bled through the end of the war and Snickerty was only the only offender to be indicted of crimes committed in the course of hostilities. Shortly after the non-fatal stabbings, the Ohioans sought to strengthen their claim by declaring Toledo part of a real county, a real county in Ohio. Slipping into Toledo under the cover of night, the governor of the Ohio Territory set up a secret meeting with fellow hardliners and appointed them the officers of the new Lucas County. Official documents were drawn up and filed safely away in the county clerk's hat. Having concluded their business, the venerable and alternatively, er, yeah, yeah, alternatively named Baxter Bowman, Jonathan Jerome, and William Wilson retired to the tavern before fleeing for the safe haven of Maumee. In retaliation, Michigan troops sprung to action, raiding the homes of Major Snickerty and his neighbors. In the bloodshed that followed, several chickens and hogs breathe their last breaths of Ohioan, or is that Michigan, air. 
Adding to the devastation was the destruction of several gardens and associated orchards. Two horses, noted for their nobility, also fell on this dark day. Appropriately, each side lost one of the steeds. As a reminder in war, both victor and vanquish must suffer loss. Alright, let's play a song here and we'll uh, conclude this, this war story after this. He said my 69 years I lived on this Michigan farm And my daddy taught me how to keep cows How to build a good barn He died when I was 20, left me with mama and the chores. She went to heaven the very next winter, couldn't keep him waiting no more. And the sawmill kept running every year, oftentimes to my surprise. I remember one year we had a contract. For 10,000 railroad ties At the fire in 41 Not a single board foot was saved The only wood left standing was a fence That I built around the graves And the last year seemed Hard as the first Though there wasn't near as much to do I remember there was times I milked 51 cows Now I'm down to milking two Used to go to town on Saturday nights Dance at the old fire hall there was pretty girls in dresses and ribbons and bows Old man lined up against the wall And I almost got me married to a girl from Mackinac But her family was up and moved away Would have been nice to have a good lady around Looking back from where I stand today And the last year's seemed Hard as the first, though there wasn't near as much to do I remember there was times I milked 51 cows Now I'm down to milking two dog went blind from porcupine quills And he stays pretty close behind me now And we both got fond memories in the back of our minds Acres we followed that old plow When I'm too old to lift up my axe in the fall Too old to throw hay by the bale 
Better be digging me a hole in the ground Putting this old place up for sale Yeah, you better be digging me a hole in the ground Putting this old place up for sale From the CD, uh, it's a Michigan thing. So anyway, let's continue on with the. Uh, oops, sorry about the mic squeak there. Let's continue on with the reading here. Just just got a little bit to go. For a while, it looked as though there'd be a major battle between the Ohio and Michigan militias in April of 1835. Fortunately, bloodshed was avoided because the two armies got lost for a week in the swamps near Perrysburg, Ohio, and were unable to find each other. Today's Midwesterners sometimes forget that their land was not always the placid, well-bordered place they know now, but will serve us well to remember our nation was once a place where borders were as liquid as Lake Michigan, lapping the sandy shores of certitude only occasionally, and sailed always by the potential for violence and discord. We dedicate this podcast to the memory of those who gave their lives and limb health for the city of Toledo. The dispute between Ohio and Michigan was resolved the following year when Congress, as a condition for Michigan statehood, made the territory give up its claim to the Toledo Strip. As compensation for its loss of Toledo, Congress awarded Michigan the Upper Peninsula. At the time, Michigan was enraged by this outcome, and Ohio was considered the winner since it was given Toledo. This displeased the Upper Peninsulites, or Upers, but they consoled themselves with backbreaking labor in the copper and iron mines and pasty breaks. However, nowadays, Michigan considers itself the winner of that war since they got the Upper Peninsula while Ohio got stuck with Toledo. Sorry about that. It's a funny story. I, and look it up. It's it's definitely a, an interesting story. And it is an actual uh, war or dispute that happened between uh, Michigan and Ohio. And I was going to read you some more recent uh, stuff, uh, you know, to be, you know, to uh, add to this. Well, the end of the Toledo War was known as the Frostbitten uh the Frostbitten Convention. Jeez, can't get two words together here. But uh, <laughs> and that was uh, where they decided to take over the the Upper Peninsula. 
which uh, kind of ticked off Wisconsin territory, but uh, since Michigan was becoming a state before Wisconsin, uh, yeah, hey, they had to uh, had to deal with that. One interesting tidbit: the final dispute was not settled until 1973, and uh, what what it was was uh, the border on land was firmly set. But the two states were still in disagreement on the path of the border to the east in Lake Erie. In 1973, the two states finally obtained a hearing before the United States Supreme Court on their compelling claims to Lake Erie waters. In Michigan versus Ohio, the court upheld a special master's report and ruled the boundary between the two states in Lake Erie was angled to the northeast, as described in the Ohio State Constitution and not straight east-west line, as in the Michigan's claim. One consequence of the court decision was the tiny Turtle Island, Turtle Island? Mm, Not from Japan. Anyway, just outside of Maumee Bay, and originally treated as being holy in Michigan, was split between the two states. This decision was the last border adjustment, putting an end to years of debate over the official boundary line. In modern times, the conflict between the states is restricted primarily to the Michigan-Ohio state rivalry in American football. This is all from Wikipedia, so we know it's got to be true. (laughs) So, anyway. You're listening to Mike on Mike Dell's World, a show about nothing. Hey, it was about something today. And it's going to be kind of a short one. Uh, actually, I've I've attempted to record this now four times. <laughs> so I kept pushing the wrong buttons and stumbling even worse over my words while I'm reading it. But since this is, you know, not my first time through some of the stuff I read, I think I did all right. So, but look it up on uh, on Wikipedia uh, or just type it into Google. And there's all kinds of other interesting little tidbits uh there's a thing called the battle of phillips corners following the election lucas believed that the commissioner's actions had alleviated the situation this is when they made uh, lucas county there in in ohio and uh, anyway there is a a battle of phillips corners and it's funny they've got pictures of the historical markers uh about the uh, the war and and if you go down there today uh, and I've seen these before they have these uh, concrete pillars that once they finally decided where where it was going to be they wanted to make damn sure it wasn't uh, something that uh, couldn't be you know, or they wanted to make damn sure it was something they couldn't move, and they put these concrete markers every so often all down that, that entire line between uh, the, the Indiana-Ohio border and Lake Erie. You notice the bottom of Michigan, there's a little offset there. Uh, they had the same dispute with Indiana, <laughs> but uh, apparently the old, uh, the old line... Uh, held so that's why uh, indiana's border is uh, a few miles north of ohio's border with with southern michigan 
And uh, I've got a friend that lives kind of down in the corner there between the three states, or his grandparents used to live there. And when we were kids, uh, we would go down there and visit, and we could go on a uh, less than 10-mile bike ride and ride into uh, Indiana, Ohio, and back to Michigan. And uh, it was, it was kind of neat. <laughs> you know, when you're 12, 13 years old, that, that's really cool. So anyway, that'll do it. Not, not much else going on here in uh, Traverse City. Uh, we went downstate. Uh, yesterday, or well, Saturday and yesterday, uh, being Sunday, and visited with the uh, in-laws in Grand Haven, and really haven't been up to a whole lot, uh, at least not uh, recreationally. Whoa, got a, a fruit fly flying by right in front of the microphone. So, anyway, that's that's enough torture for uh, for one podcast. Um, I am going to do a Geek of the North. Uh, I've decided that uh, since I got off to a lousy start on that, uh, I'm going to uh, relaunch Geek of the North, and that's going to be October 1st. So the relaunch of Geek of the North will be October 1st, and then I hope to uh, get that uh, worked up to a weekly, and I hope to keep this one at least weekly. I probably do more uh, portable recording like I did there on my walk last time with the white squirrels. <laughs> and uh, so, anyway, thanks for uh, listening and putting up with my lousy reading. I hope uh, I hope the effect came across the way I wanted it to, if not the execution. <laughs> Catch me later. This podcast is part of the Blueberry Network. Find freshly picked podcasts just for you at Blueberry.com. That's Blueberry, no ease, dot com. <laughs>